Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's On The Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with John Paul Hampstead as always. Hey Zach, JP. what's up? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So we've had an, you know, pretty standard week for the third week of January. Which know. is bad. <laughs> Which is not the good. The doldrums, the, the, the harsh, the, the, the bleak midwinter. You know, everything's cold and gray outside. It's cold and gray on the load boards. <laughs> it's cold and gray on the income statements. Yeah, it's cold. It's earning season. Yeah. Uh, you know, first uh, first quarter reports the fourth quarter of last year, which, again, we, we saw some interesting results in the fourth quarter last year. Net overall, I think volumes were flat. We were roughly about 1% up uh, year over year in terms of just straight volume. Right. The majority of that came in December. Whereas October, November were a little disappointing. A little disappointing, and um, the rate environment was obviously down year over year from um, fourth quarter of 2018. So, yeah. you know, that's that's right. Like what we see brokerages, you know, grow their load counts without growing their revenue, things like that. You, see, you and, get and, a lot of that. And the converse of that is the carriers on their end, they have, you know, higher utilization, but lower rate per miles. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it is an interesting environment to operate in. And a lot of people think that 2018 was like super robust throughout the year. We just kind of assigned no. it. And in actuality, it was, it was really soft in the fourth quarter. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. Volumes uh, sharply fell off after like, I want to say like October. October is the first couple like, of weeks of October. Yeah, it was yeah. a just dramatic plummet uh, across the board. Uh, but the environment really from about the peak around July 4th just fell sharply like throughout the third and fourth quarter of 2018. So it really, I mean, when we say that it was flat, that's actually not that great because <laughs> it was a right. degrading right. environment in the fourth quarter. Uh, we did have some interesting earnings uh, uh, reports this week, including Covenant, Martin, Harlan Express, Union Pacific actually. Um, and it's, it's you know sort of mixed results. I think um, Martin's uh, brokerage did very well. Its intermodal struggled. Right. Obviously, there there, there was a huge um, shift in volume from the rail to the highway uh, after um, after truck and spot rates started coming down. Right. Um, Covenant kind of guided that they were going to move um, some assets away from uh, solo refrigerated operations into like dedicated they're trying to kind of get away from irregular over the road um you know sort of uh whatever uh operations that are hard to consistently make money at and consistently utilize your assets at so the reefer segment of course very imbalanced uh networks right. very right. one directional so it's much more difficult to manage that operation because you have a lot of freight coming from one section of the country to the spread out throughout right. the united right. states right so so Right, and then that's that's always been interesting to me is how different modes um, have different kinds of different sorts of network balances, mm -hmm. um, and it has a lot to you know it's all has to do with production and consumption and economic geography. So if you think about even for driving, which is the most commodified kind of freight, it's the, you know more different kinds of freight can go into driving than any other mode. Um, it's still very. It's still you saw it back home markets like like Seattle, like like uh, Denver, Miami, places like that. Um, with refrigerated, it's even more imbalanced because of just the simple fact that 
food is produced in a small amount of, you know, a small sort of set of regions or markets in the country, but it's consumed everywhere. Right. Um, and then flatbed, of course, is even more balanced and expedited even more balanced than that. Um, so it's always, it's always interesting just to think about how um, carriers try to like sort of strategically go after different customers and achieve balance or not, or, or price, price imbalance into their networks. But obviously Covenant is looking for um, a different kind of model and a different kind of what way to manage their, their revenue. So they're, they're, they, and they've talked about this before, but they're shifting more and more toward dedicated um, Heartland, which is typically a very, they're always a very disciplined yes, carrier, right? Top of the list in terms of earning season. Smaller, smaller publicly traded carrier, but usually very low operating ratio. Um, they, they've acquired Millis Transfer, which was operating it with a, a 90 plus OR, and they're still kind of working on integrating that that company. Um, and so that was one of the things they kind of blamed for their miss. But well, that's, which, that's crazy to me because Heartland is kind of punished for its success. You know, they, they they grow to the point where they have tremendous amounts of earnings that they can't simply just redistribute any other way, but purchasing another company. Yeah. And so the integration obviously takes time. Anytime you integrate another company, it takes a while. But I think they're like they're they're known as like disciplined, thoughtful mm -hmm. operators, and I have confidence that they'll be able to make these assets work productively. Um, right. It's just a matter of time. It might take another couple quarters. And it might. It might. Frankly, it might take a meaningful upturn in the freight markets to really, you know, show how that how that's working. Right. Um, Union Pacific is interesting. The, the responses to their earnings have been sort of all over the map. Well, they're up. I mean, their OR went up. Down. Quarter. Was it down? Year over year down. Year over year down. Okay. So it below sixty percent. Right. Okay. So, anyway, I, just, I, I I'm thinking of quarter over quarter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Quarter over quarter, they were up a little bit, which is normal. Uh, fourth quarter, they tend to have a lot less competition, or a lot more competition. Service is a lot more in demand during the fourth quarter. Yeah, and you start getting bad, like, in the, if in the region of the country, which includes the Rocky Mountains, you start getting sort of bad weather and right. things like that. Um, but, uh, and, and railroad volumes drop off in mid to late December, mm -hmm. like, when truckload volumes really don't. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, few, fewer truck drivers drive during the actual holidays, but that's considered a busy, frantic time for trucks. It's actually a very dead time for railroads. Yeah. Well, it's short haul season. You know, you've yeah, got exactly. a lot of people. Exactly. They've already moved the rail. The busy season for rail is about September-ish, September, October-ish. Uh, you know, a lot of those, the biggest lane in the country, Los Angeles to Chicago, uh, obviously a huge uh, influx of freight coming in from the port, and then it transfers inland, et cetera. And this year we saw an increase to the East Coast, which also is contributing to that degradation of the yeah, rail. that's true. Um, so Union Pacific's, I mean, it was so weird because like, I was reading our coverage of it and their net income was down more than 10% year over year. Mm -hmm. Yet they said on the earnings call that they're gonna like, essentially fire 3,000 people. And I, I believe the stock is up. <laughs> so it's just like, you just wonder how long this keeps going on for. Yeah, the like, OR game is a dangerous one to play. I mean, especially when you're operating at 60%. Um, you know, <laughs> I was talking with uh, Mike Bondistel about yeah. this recently and about how, you know, you can get sucked into this trap of in, improving your OR constantly. But what it does is anytime that you see a significant change in the environment, you're no longer available to flex. 
Yeah. So you miss a lot of opportunities that way as well. You miss a lot of opportunities, and like I just when I see this, when I see them taking you know twenty five percent of all rail cars into storage, you know, firing all their maintenance people, like um, reducing the a number of like facilities that can build and, and you know consolidate and deconsolidate trains and stuff like that. It's like when volumes do turn up, like their service is going to be bad. Yeah, I think that's been the criticism for the rails over the years is that they cut their costs so low that it degrades the service and the performance. I mean, right now it's fine, mm -hmm. but it's easy to achieve network fluidity in a low volume environment. Right. When you don't have that much volume, it's easy to keep your trains moving quickly. You know, your dwell times aren't as long, et cetera. But like, when you take all those assets off the rails and then volumes come back, then it gets it gets complicated. And I, I just wonder like how quickly they're going to be able to flex back up and react. I would assume not very. No, no, it takes forever to pull those rail cars back out of storage and get them back on the train and online. And it's, it's not much different than what we see in trucking. Uh, we used to, I mean, we used to cut, you know, our operation in the winter because every year winter volumes, we knew that January would come <laughs> and the winter volumes would, uh, would be disappointing to say the least, but we didn't cut all the way to the bone. You know, you cut just enough, you know, you, you hire part-time over the year, you try to make it to where you're somewhat flexible in that environment, but not necessarily to the point where when March turns back on, you know, and hey, you never know if it's going to be a huge March or, you know, yeah, disappointing right. March, but you need to be ready for that because if you miss in March, April, and May, your whole year <clears throat> is off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to be ready to hit that, uh, that upturn. So that'll be interesting whenever sort of industrial production goes back positive, uh, whenever intermodal volumes and sort of trade um, reignites. It'll be interesting to see what happens on the West Coast with the West Coast rails. Let's talk about trucking markets. Um, about to rejection, still above 7%, but definitely had like a, well, it was about a 40 basis point move downward. Yeah, it was, the it was probably days. the largest uh, single day decline in two and a half weeks. Yeah. Last yeah, week. from um, Thursday to Friday. Yeah. Or Wednesday to Thursday. Right. Um, so, you know, keeping an eye on that, um, volumes are off pretty much in, in most major markets except for uh, Southern California, which I think, you know, what we believe is related to pre-Chinese New Year. And so we're expecting that to correct once that, if the sort of the lag effect from that holiday um, mm -hmm. hits the coast. Anything else we should talk about right now? I mean, I mean, the big markets across the country are all down. I mean, we're yeah. all seeing this declining volume, declining tender rejection, increasing capacity. It's the third week of January. You got to do what you got to do to get by uh, this yeah. time of year if you're in brokerage or you're a carrier. Uh, shippers, you know, generally have the pick. The, the one thing that I will say about this time of year is that you can get caught in this mentality of just expecting capacity everywhere. That's just not the case because you have a lot of isolated environments, especially these smaller markets. When we were talking about network balances, uh, these are these irregular markets that we see really have their moment in the sun, if you will, in terms of capacity tightening. Right. Uh, okay. You know, Albuquerque, which is a tiny market, uh, you know, blowing up uh, on terms of uh, capacity here this last week. Uh, Rock Island, Illinois, another smaller market. So every every week there's a new market that uh, has at least some semblance of instability because trucks are just they're focused on these bigger markets. There's the safe havens for a lot of the freight. Right. Um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to call out is just some research uh, the passport research team did um, this week on for 
asset operators specifically. So we kind of looked at three different emerging headwinds for trucking carriers. Um, the first one just being the fact that even though accidents are down, fatalities are down, trucking carriers by and large are safer than they've been in several years. Uh, insurance costs continue to rise, um, especially as a, as a percentage of revenue. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's caused by lower revenues partially, but we know that carrier uh, insurance carriers are taking price. Mm -hmm. We know that um, a number of players have exited the commercial vehicle insurance space, allowing people to raise rates. That's a cycle. It might take a couple more years for that to calm down. Um, well, the nuclear verdicts and the nuclear, increasing them. And the nuclear of... verdicts are also, you know, scare people um, yeah. for that for that as well. Uh, the the diesel fuel spreads are another interesting thing we've been doing a lot of work on, and that's basically the difference between rack or wholesale diesel prices and retail uh, prices at the pump. Um, you know, carriers of any size, you know, 75 trucks or above, are paying uh, fuel prices based on the rack price, but they're charging their shippers surcharges based on retail. That spread has widened to the trucking carrier's advantage um, to about a dollar and 10 cents a gallon. We think that will come down as retail prices eventually correct downward to uh, meet the sort of the soft commodity market. And the last thing is just you know, falling asset uh, values, um, used truck prices are down sharply uh, since October. So all these things are really going to contribute to reduction of capacity at some point. Now the fuel situation is a little different, but uh, you know the wholesale price has been a lot more volatile than the retail price. Yeah, the wholesale price moves according to the way that crude oil contracts are traded. Uh, you know how um, domestic distillate inventories are reported right. on a weekly basis, you know, so it's, it jumps around a lot. Um, that's been kind of interesting. I mean, I, th I think the real thing is that all three of these headwinds are kind of cyclical and mm -hmm. it's just something that people have to manage through. They'll get better, but um, the business environment is not by any means at the point of like improving right, right now for asset operators. Right. Well, so it is the quiet time of year, but you know, things will change as they always do. Uh, that'll do it for this week's On the Spot. Thank you so much, JP. Thanks, Zach. And we'll see you next week.